filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. I'm bored. Not a lot. I mean, this has been true in recent weeks. There's just not a lot going on right now. No, there's nothing really to to, to discuss. It's it's a tough time for us. Should we do about 20 minutes of goat talk and then just get out of here? I mean, Ben, how, how are the renovations at City Stadium going? Are they happening yet? No, not yet. So we can't even talk about that? No. <sighs> I didn't even see a goat, so I don't even know if we could talk about our last goat visits or anything like that. I saw well, I'm not going to complain about, about that. I saw an article about goats eating poison ivy here in Richmond. Yeah? Were they doing a good job? Yeah. But, I mean, not an exceptional job. They were just doing a standard goat job. I'm... So it's not even an exciting goat no. eating poison ivy article. It's a, it's a bland one. I have questions about goats eating poison ivy, I admit. Um, they can't, they can't... You can't help yourself, can you? No, I they, can't. They, they, they're like, not what? affected by poison ivy. Oh, well, that answers why, my question, and now that, I'm bored again. That's why they do it. Yeah. Um, so, should we say goodbye, Jason? I mean, if we don't have anything else to talk about, we you know not waste we, anyone's time. I should at least start the show, and we will do What Are You Drinking, and then we can check out until there's more going on. I guess that seems fair. Hey, hey, welcome, and this is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast, and despite the tableau you just listened to, there is so much going on. All the things are happening. Uh, I'm Adam Taylor from Black and Red United. They are Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley from the same place. Uh, We are talking about all the DC United stuff tonight. Audi Field groundbreaking was today. This is a huge moment that... Some of us thought would never come as recently as a few years ago. Um, and it, it, it happened. The team is officially building a, a stadium in Southwest DC on Buzzard Point, And I still can't believe it. Um, but, but it's happening. I've been assured that I'm not having the most lucid dream of my life, um, which is just what they would want you to think in the dream. But Nevertheless, I'm choosing to begin to believe. We're going to talk a little bit about the groundbreaking. We are going to preview DC United's 2017 season, which starts in mere days at RFK Stadium this Saturday against Sporting Kansas City. And we are going to have Cody Bradley from the Blue Testament on to preview that game from the opposing side. Before we do anything, though, Ben Bromley, what are you drinking? So as befits today's occasion... Uh, I had to get something with a cork in it so I could pop a cork and celebrate uh, this occasion. So I went to my local uh, Kroger and got uh, Dark Hollow by Blue Mountain Brewery. It is their uh, bourbon barrel aged imperial stout, uh, which most breweries have nowadays. Most breweries have something like that. Uh, And 
I like basically all of them because I love a good stout. I love bourbon. I love things that are bourbon barrel aged. Gives them a nice richness. And yeah, this one's good too. Jason, you and I had some bourbon barrel aged beer after the uh, the groundbreaking. We didn't even tell Ben about it. So uh, we're really firing all the cylinders now. There we go. We had uh, we went to Gordon Beers with a lot of other DC United fans after the groundbreaking. Um, Jason and I had the the bourbon bock there, but Jason, what are you drinking now? Uh, I was actually asked about this a few times and refused to tell anybody because uh, I wanted to make sure people listened to the show. Um, rather than I, I assume this is the one thing they wanted to know and not the rest of it. Um, we should maybe save this for the end of the show then. No, I don't want to do like the the nightly news thing where we we play it off like it's coming and then it never shows up until the very end. I'm not I'm not going to be that. Uh... Oh, come on, let's 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 save it until I say say goodbye, Jason, and you say what you were drinking. No, today has been a good day. Let's be nice. Um, okay, we'll be nice. Um, even though I did previously advise a different staffer on our site to wear studs to a game so she could get better quotes, um, I'm be- we're being nice to our listeners and listeners only. Everyone else uh, can go screw. Um, I have a, um, something I've had a couple times on the show, but, uh, it's a special occasion beer. I've got a Chimay's Grand Reserve Ale. Um, it's a, um, it's from Scormont Abbey, uh, in Belgium. It's a, uh, a pretty high-end Belgian beer. Um, I mean, there's not really much else to say about it. It's, uh, it's outstanding. It's a top class. If you can find it, it's got, it's the blue label, um, Go grab it and drink as much as you can. I've got my snifter, my Ikea snifter. Uh, that's when you know it's fancy uh, on filibusters, when I've got the Ikea snifter that probably cost $1.50. Uh, I uh, picked up some large format bottles of beer at Costco recently. And uh, after drinking my special occasion whiskey last week, um, or, or at least on a recent show, uh Today I'm celebrating kind of the the optimism going into the season and the resources that are going to be uh, available to the team, both for player personnel and and other purposes, and the the new facilities that are going to come online and just the the future of DC United, kind of uh, in my mind anyway, has a chance to resemble those those early years of dominance. And I'm just going to turn into the slide uh, and drink some Arrogant Bastard Ale. Nice. Which is, Always which a, good is choice. Good choice. a good beer and I, I think appropriate to uh, if, if DC United is going to uh, be the heel that, that we all want them to be to the league and just own everything again, which is what I want. I, I want the world. I want the whole world. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll settle for MLS. So let's talk about that groundbreaking. Uh, DC United uh, managing partner Jason Levian was joined by uh, Ben Olson and Don Garber, uh, DC Mayor Mario Bowser, Council Chairman Phil Mendelson, Ward 6 Council Member Charles Allen, um, the President of Audi USA, and the Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development. I think that's everybody who was on stage with a shovel. You, for, you forgot the number one uh, figure on the dais, which was Talon. That's true. Talon was the first figure on the dais, uh, <laughs> which somehow fits. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm rolling with that. Um, new, they, new, beef, new beefy Talon is necessary for 
uh, digging foundations even faster. Talon now he's was, got more muscles. Talon was super excited, especially when the the president of Audi joked that there was uh, an oral agreement that Jason Levian would be buying every player uh, a, a very nice Audi supercar. Uh, and then Talon was like, yes. And the guy was like, I see you, Talon. You get one, too. <laughs> and then Ben Olsen got up later. He's like, I, I don't get a new Audi. <laughs> he was like, I don't get anything. I see how it is. Um, but they they took their their special ceremonial shovels and they turned the uh, special ceremonial dirt, thereby officially ceremoniously uh, kicking off construction of Audi Field on Buzzard Point. And it's happening. That it was an active construction site while we were there. There was a concrete factory across the street that is literally making the concrete that will be used in the stadium <laughs> which is kind of cool to see it's like oh that's gonna go here where i'm standing okay um there were excavators working and dump trucks rolling and uh it's it's very active construction site they're still kind of doing the early stuff nothing's gone vertical yet they're still waiting on some building permits for that but construction is officially at least at some level underway and um jason this thing is happening no, uh, it's it's really actually real. Um, there were shovels you could purchase for five hundred dollars. Um, there were only six of them, though. Yes, um, I think there were twenty. I was talking to the the team store guys. They said there were, I think, twenty shovels total, and okay. uh, everyone on stage got to keep theirs. The mayor got a couple of extras, um, sponsors, and the banks, maybe some mm. some companies. And and big sweet owners got some, and then there were six left over to sell to the public for five hundred dollars a piece. I I did not purchase a shovel. Um, I did not show up with five hundred dollars to buy a shovel. It wasn't uh something that occurred to me that was real. Um, but uh, I also wasn't there to uh to spend money. I was there to uh be there for the occasion to uh to actually see this really take place to see. Uh, everyone involved confirmed that it was going to happen, uh, to not have, uh, any city officials, uh, show up and say, actually, there's several more steps you have to go through to have this happen. Um, I mean, it, it will be fun watching it actually become a thing rather than, I mean, the, the event today was in a vacant lot. Um, they, they put up a tent and all that, but there's not a construction site per se like they've cleared the ground and they're ready to go but they haven't like you can't look over and see like a dude uh digging out a foundation or what have you that's not there yet um but what is there uh or what was there today at least was still really cool to see to see a lot of people that i've been seeing at games since the 90s um to see people that i keep seeing week in and week out uh you know newer fans that have not let their interest wane despite some tough times. Even the, even the newer fans have dealt with some pretty tough times. Um, and to see all that, to, you know, to have Dave Johnson there emceeing the event, um, which was the obvious choice, but also is still really cool um, since he's been there from, from day one. Um, it was all just, uh, it's a feel good event. There's no, there's no real reason to complain. I did see some complaints uh, on the internet during the day, but you know, I I don't even care to address them. It they're it's silly to me to to complain about something when the team you've wanted you, you've wanted to have a home for two decades 
finally gets it done. It's finally official for real. And to, to find complaints about that, it, why bother? Um, if, you, if you can't be happy about this, you can't find happiness. Yeah, that, yeah, pretty that much. might be a good and way so, to put it. And I, so, I mean, um, you know, for everyone else that was there, I mean, you just look around the place and you saw, you know, people were smiling. People were in a great mood. Um, even even when, you know, you've got fans that dislike Don Garper um, instinctively in some cases. I'm not talking about myself. I'm just talking about there are some DC United fans who undoubtedly do not like Don Garber at all. Um, even when he got up to speak, there was no like, I mean, you know, people might have razzed him a little bit, but it wasn't like there was no hostility. It was just a really good event. Um, and, uh, you know, a moment that really changed. It's the moment that changes everything with this team. I mean, the, the stadium passing the city council was the official, um, moment we knew it was going to happen someday. Um, but until they got that last vote from the zoning committee, uh, we didn't know when that day was. We just, we knew it was a when rather than if, which is nice, but we didn't know when that was. And to actually see it happen, it's not a when, it's not an if, it's, it's a soon. Um, it's, that's it's happening. pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those things. And I, I moved to the district in 2006, really got into DC United in 2008. I, I would say they're 2007, 2008. And so I remember my first summer here um, being all excited about Poplar Point and, and that project. And that summer of 2007 was when uh, Adrian Fenty pulled the rug out from under it. And so I, I, I saw that happening. And then PG County happened very quickly and then unhappened very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then it was... Um, a lot of existential dread as a soccer fan. And I, I think this is something that, you know, I, I guess it's as close to triple relegation as I, I, triple relegation is probably the closest thing that can come to, to describing it for if you're a fan of a team in another league, like the idea that your team would not just be relegated, but, but would be relegated three leagues down um, because that would basically cause your team to not exist anymore. And that's where DC United was in you know 2010 2011 and then the owners came in and there was a little bit of progress there were some false starts but they they seemed to have gotten the job done and lucy didn't pull the football out this time charlie brown got to kick it and we're gonna get a stadium out of it ben you you weren't able to be there but you've you've been on this journey with us too obviously yes um what what are your feelings today? I mean, just I've, I've just had a stupid grin on my face most <laughs> of the day, especially this afternoon. Once uh, everybody started getting to the site, and uh, I started seeing all the tweets and pictures and all of that, and just even just watching the uh, ceremony on the uh, on the Facebook uh, live video that WGLA put out, and then watching the uh, Facebook live video that you guys did afterwards with. Uh, Bill Hamid jumping in randomly. Yeah, we grabbed Sebastian Salazar, friend of the show, um, to to come on with us. And he was like, sure, no problem. And then Bill Hamid saw him. And make no mistake, Bill Hamid was going to say hi to Sebi. And and just happened to stick around and answer a couple questions yeah. before he had to take off again. 
It was it was it was kind of great. It was what? a really and cool it, DC United moment because that's the kind of thing Bill does too. If you it, see him was, randomly yeah. and you're wearing gear, he will come up to you and talk to you. And it was pretty cool because he actually he got to speak. Um, he apparently asked to say a few yeah. words. Um, he actually said he had prepared a speech like that. That he didn't just say I'd like to say something and then wing it. Um, he he prepped some words to say to the fans. I mean. With his roots with, with the team, not just being a homegrown player, but, you know, his story is about coming to RFK to go to games. Um, so getting him of all of all the players to get to randomly jump into your video. Um, and I do yeah. think that um, he he was turning uh, after saying hi to Sebi, he realized he was on the video and uh, just rolled with it. Uh, there was no like, oh, I guess I'll stay. It was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in it now. It's just, uh, that was really cool. Um, yeah. One of the things he, I wanted to ask him, but he had to roll out before I could. Um, in his speech and in his comments to the press recently, he talked kind of about the importance that this stadium is going to have for the future of youth soccer players in this area. And he's really the only one talking about that, I think. And it's because right. that's, that's where he comes from. He's not thinking about the professional players that might get recruited because the facilities are better. He's, he's not thinking about the fans um, exclusively uh, or the business side really at all. He's thinking about the kid who's going to go watch a soccer game there and say, my dream is going to be to play here now. So, which is what his experience was as a kid at RFK. Mm -hmm. And he's, you could tell from his speech, he's, he's a little bit sad to see the old girl go. Oh yeah, he, and, and he mentioned that it's again. It's bittersweet for him. Yeah, right. And and I mean, I completely understand. I mean, that's where that's home to me. So yeah. it'll be it'll be unusual to get used to not going to games there. It's going to be strange, but um, you know, the team to compete has to move. Um, I mean, you guys know me, and our our listeners, I think, know me as well. They could play at RFK until the place literally collapsed, and I would be fine because. I and love even, RFK, and but even you after can't it collapsed, you probably you keep coming back to the you, the rubble. You, well, you probably if they played at the rubble, you would probably just sit upon the rubble and still watch them play. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd push some rubble around and build up a couple seats so that people could come with me. Um, but no, I mean you can't compete in MLS and in the sports marketplace in general without the the income that a new stadium brings in that you cannot get at RFK. Um, it it has to happen. Um, and to see it, to, you know, no, we, we've known that for a long time. I think the team, when they per first put out feelers in Northern Virginia in the 90s, was acutely aware that one day they had to get out of the stadium because it will, you know, it was almost 50 years old at that point. Um, and so they've known all along. Um, but it was still that, that open question um, hanging around forever. And so while it will be bittersweet to leave RFK and it is going to see we're going to see the culture around the team change um as a result of that we're going to see a lot of things change uh but the fact is that they kind of achieved the impossible by getting a stadium done inside inside DC um which is i think the main thing um one thing i i have casual casual uh fan friends and they were like, you know, the move to Baltimore really wouldn't be that bad. And I was like, if they move to Baltimore, they are no longer the same team. Right. Um, the, the players have moved to Baltimore and they could name it Baltimore United, whatever you want. The culture around the team would completely change. 
Um, and I am a big fan of the city of Baltimore, but it, this, the culture that would go into a team there would be utterly different um, than what it is in D.C. Um, so, yeah, I think I think today sort of it doesn't just secure the team's future. It secures the the culture that this team has has brought in over the years and has uh, has nurtured. That's now secure for many, many years as well. So that's that's a, a pretty big deal to me. Well, this will be the final season at RFK, and DC United are entering it with as much optimism as we've seen in in quite a few years. Um, that's my transition to to the season preview that we're going to do for the next little <laughs> while. A hard here. pivot, yeah. <laughs> we're just I'm, I I can't put a bow on um on on the groundbreaking. We don't have don't a have bow large words. enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we I would need have the words to do oh, it justice we... and to, to really convey. So I'm I'm letting people in behind the curtain, Ben. Well, I, I, I was just going to say, what is it with? It's not just this podcast. It's, it seems like all podcasts like to ruin their okay transitions by commenting about how this was their transition to something new. Well, I'm in good like company pod- then. Yeah, I feel like I'm in good company then. <laughs> um, back to the transition. <laughs> Which is still ongoing. We had our nice hard pivot, and now we're like three minutes into it. And then I gave you another out to it, and then you yep. pivoted back to the transition. This is the show, is Transitions. That's all we've got. <laughs> transition, the podcast. Um, like I said, DC United are, are coming into this year with a lot of optimism uh, about not just the off-field progress of the the stadium and the fact that there's probably going to be a USL team next year, and potential for future training grounds and and everything else um but but on the field in 2017 the team looks to be in pretty good shape especially relative to uh a lot of other teams both not not just in the eastern conference but in mls writ large they ended last year absolutely on fire the the playoff game notwithstanding um i think the 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 focus for a lot of people during that stretch run was rightfully on the attack. The offense was basically unstoppable. They scored multiple goals in how many games? I think it tied a, a franchise record going back to 1996, that first season. So the 1998 team, which might have been the greatest team in MLS history, didn't score multiple goals in consecutive games as much as the team at the end of last year did which is incredible to think about. So given the identity has, has shifted from, from defense first and last to uh, a, a nigh unstoppable attack, will it remain unstoppable in, in 2017? Ben, can they score goals, two and a half goals a game uh, over the course of this season like they did at the end of last year? I mean, I don't know. If they're not going to be on court quite the hot streak that they're going to be on at the end of the season. That seems ridiculous, but I think they're definitely going to be an offense first team. And I definitely think they're going to score a lot of goals. I mean, Lucho Acosta has a full preseason with the team. He knows he's here for the long term after having been uh, signed on a permanent deal this off season. Um, you've got uh, Patrick Mullins with any off season with the team this year. And so he's getting even more used to the team. He's going to, have his first year here, uh, his first full year here. And now he's signed for the long term as well. Uh, you've got Lloyd Sam and Patrick Nyaku coming back. 
Uh, Sam also having a full preseason with the team. Uh, he was another mid-season, acqu- mid-season acquisition. Uh, so yeah, and they've got a lot of competition for all of the spots on the team. You bring in Sebastian Latou, Lamar Nagel was the uh, leading scorer last year, and he's on the bench. And You've got a lot of good things going for this team, so I think they're going to still score a ton of goals. And I think it's going to lead for once in the Ben Olsen era, he finally is going to be able to play on the front foot and really play the kind of attacking soccer that he's always wanted to play, but now he's finally got all the pieces to really be able to do that. Jason, what do you think? Will, will the offense be able to, to carry on? I know I, it's not just through the middle. It's also the wingers are, are fantastic. Um, if a little bit older this year. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, you know, judging from Lloyd Sam in the preseason, I thought he was the best player for United in, in the preseason matches. And I thought, um, if anything, he looks sharper now than he did last season, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, it's a perfect fit as far as players to the needs of the, of the system in, involved with Sam and even Latou backing him up. They're going to be more set up guys and Niarco and, and Nagel slashing in from the left, um, going to goal a little more often. Um, it really suits what those players need. Um, it's, if anything, United is going to be a more attack-minded team in terms of the people on the field than they were last year because we know Nick DeLeon is going to be starting the season at right back. Last year, at the end of the year, he was just filling in. Um, this year, by all signs, he's the guy, at least for now. Um, so, if anything, they're going to become even more uh, of a front foot team, more of the aggressor, especially in home games. Um, we've got uh, Ian Harks contending for a starting spot. Um, if he displaces Jared Jeffrey, that adds an even more attack-minded player um, through the middle. So, I feel like the those, those things all look uh, like big positives. And then on top of that, you've got um, Acosta's situation is settled. He doesn't have anything to worry about off the field. Um, he's, I did notice his, one of his Instagram posts today had, um, uh, full, I think he was posting now in Spanish and English. Um, so that's an indicator that he's getting comfortable, um, more comfortable in the U S uh, more comfortable with his teammates. Um, he was the first person that Ben Olsen, uh, introduced at the event today. Um, and he just introduced him as the man. Um, which kind of says everything about that, but he, you know, he'll be, um, he's in a system he belongs in and he's now had his year to get used to MLS, which over the years has always been a big deal, um, for, for, especially for playmakers and, and even more so for guys that are on the small side. Um, you've got Patrick Mullins, um, up front where he and Acosta can really build on that instant partnership they had last season, um, that level of understanding is there was already there right away and can only get better with time. Um, and then even if, um, last year, if Mullins was unavailable, United had maybe a problem, you know, Alvaro Saborio had his moments, but he also had games where he couldn't really make much of a difference. Now we have a different Costa Rican. We have Jose Ortiz, who's much more mobile than Saborio. Um, and that, that activity level is, is very important. I think United needs forwards that cover a lot of ground and, he looks like that's no problem at all for him. Um, 
So I think they're deeper now. They've solved some problems uh, depth-wise. Um, Sam looks like he's going to be fine. He doesn't look like he's on the brink of uh, slowing down any. Um, even if even if Niako can't play, you know, he misses games here and there, as he's usually done during his career, because he's had some bad luck with, not just with concussions, but with knee problems, and, and just he takes a lot of kicking. Um, we saw in the preseason he got kicked quite a few times already. Um but United's leading goal scorer would st- would st- from last year would step into the lineup for him. Um, so this team really should not have any difficulty scoring goals. Um, we've already seen a couple inventive set pieces in the preseason. Um, maybe not as inventive as the one the Union nearly scored uh, scored on in the last preseason game, but um, it still looks like they're working on that end of things as far as getting Steve Birnbaum involved. And if the service is there, Birnbaum's a guy that could... The funny thing is, you want to say score three or four goals, but it really could be more like score two or three and also get like three or four assists um, because of the way they use him now. Um, And he seems to be as much of a goal threat as he is, he's almost less stoppable as a uh, setup man in the air, which is kind of an unusual look, but it clearly works. So I think on all fronts, United shouldn't, they should be looked at as a team that could lead the league in goals. And just going back to Lucho for a sec. If you haven't seen the gif of him cutting into the box uh, when uh, Richie Marquez uh, pushes him down in the last preseason game, please do so because he just <laughs> destroys like four it's different dirty. Union players on that it's dirty. On, the, on that play, and it's just it's just amazing. Yeah, uh, on Birnbaum being a kind of a setup header guy, um, that's exactly what the uh, the Whitecaps did in the the one MLS versus MLS game we've seen so far, which was in the Champions League. Um, Kakuta Mane scored uh, the first goal off of kind of a deflecting a header off of a defender and into the goal, uh, but it was... With his back, by the way. Yeah, it was it was Kendall Watson, Waston, yeah. that, that provided all the power on that by, by heading it back towards Mane. Um, and so the, that kind of set play has, has already had success in 2017. <laughs> Um, so I could absolutely see, see that becoming a thing. Um, we talked a lot of the, the consistency that we've seen and and Jason mentioned some of the changes. Uh, the biggest change will probably be at the back for, for DC United in 2017. Um, he mentioned Nick DeLeon moving to right fullback. That spot is only open because Sean Franklin appears to be replacing Bobby Boswell in the center of the park with, or not the center of the park in the center of defense which is something that I think all three of us were skeptical about when, when uh, reports were, were coming about that. And it was Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com who's been on our show a couple of times. He was beating that drum and we were, we were pretty skeptical, but Matt's sources didn't let him down because it looks like that is the plan after this preseason is that Sean Franklin and Steve Birnbaum will be the starting central defense pairing uh, for DC United. And Bobby Boswell had some issues last year. I think in the new system, he's he's not not the first guy you would think of as being a good fit for the four one four one more attacking look that DC United have played. I thought he performed pretty admirably in it. Um, in his worst games, I think came more in the the four four two than it did in the the new setup. I thought he he actually played better in the new setup than he did before the switch 
but it looks like he's going to be on the outside looking in, um, barring injury to Franklin or Birnbaum. And Jason, at this point, having only seen it in preseason, where do you stand on this switch? I think I think there's an interesting angle that it, it tends to make sense. Um, the way United plays now, they've upped the tempo. It's not just moving the players around and being more attack-minded. They play at a higher pace than they used to. Um, and that means they're giving up. There's more running to do. They're giving up more breaks than they used to. Um, the old 4-4-2, the way they would grind games out, was designed specifically to deny teams the ability to break out. You wanted to slow the game down and make it a, a slog. And now United is willing to give away some breaks if they are allowed to break forward themselves. And they they have reason to be confident that they're going to be better at that than anyone else they face. But it does mean they're going to be asking their defenders to do more sprinting, more scrambling, and less winning the ball in the air. Um, and if you compare Franklin and Boswell, Franklin is faster, he's more agile, um, and he he's not so cut out to sitting deep and, and heading away crosses, which is what Boswell's strength would be. And a better um, passer. Right. Um, he's definitely going to look for shorter passes than Boswell would. Um, and all those things connect to the way United wants to play now. Um, and it's an interesting thing because generally in a lot of soccer analysis, we just center back is one of those positions like goalkeeper where you just put your best guy there and that's that. Um, you don't really think too hard about that. You might think about the rest of the positions and the roles, but um, a lot of times fans, what they want out of a center back is just, is he the best center back, period. Um, but in this case, the system does, cha- it changes the role significantly enough that you do have to look into um, whether you make that switch or not. And I'm sure uh, if Franklin has a dip in form or takes a knock or what have you, that Olsen will have no problem bringing Boswell in. Um, though I do want to note that I think this way of playing also uh, might open the door a little bit for Jalen Robinson to get some more minutes because he yeah. fits that mold in a, in a similar way to Franklin. Um, but another thing that United has the luxury of is with Birnbaum in there, you don't really have to worry too much about your aerial defending um, by giving up a, a, a few inches and a few pounds um, from Boswell to Franklin. It's not like, And it's also not like Franklin is short or can't jump. Um He's always, for a fullback, had uh, a better leap than most. Um, he has played the position before. Um, so I think on a lot of fronts, it's a, it's a pretty inventive solution to, uh, um, I wouldn't say a major problem, but it was a, an issue that could have used some refinement. And this is a way to try and um, refine things, is, is to make a change there based on the fact that you're playing this different style. Um, Depth at the back was also an issue. Last right. year, especially on the outside where where Taylor Kemp and Sean Franklin were basically ground into dust over the course of the right. year because they they had to play almost every minute. And, and the one game they they didn't the first game that they didn't both play 90 minutes, each of them played 45 minutes and Luke Mishu played a half for either of them. Right. Uh, he, he went from one side to the other when exactly. they made the halftime sub. Exactly. So I think moving Sean Franklin to the middle puts him in a position where number one, it moves Nick DeLeon in to right back where he did well with basically no training. So with a preseason under his belt and some actual coaching at the position, presumably he'll, 
improve over what he was last year, um, particularly in the playoffs when he was targeted because he was into what his fifth game well, as a right back in his career. I will That's, say that I don't know that Montreal necessarily, I mean, Montreal said that they targeted him, but also Ignacio Piatti already plays that position. Like yeah. if Mo- Montreal That's is targeting every, yeah, Montreal's targeting every right back, no matter who they play. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it was a, a the, I guess the defense of Dalian I have from that game is just that there were team wide problems in that one. Um, and Piotti on his game can do that to any fullback in the league. Yes. Um, so, you know, it was definitely an issue. Last year we didn't really, Dalian wasn't on the radar as a fullback option until it was tried. Um, up until that point, he was still a midfielder, uh, full on. Um, and so that's one way to add depth is to go in and experiment a little bit, and it actually panned out this time. And on top of that, um, Chris Odoyachim, um, once he's over the compartment syndrome that we've heard he's he's dealing with, once that clears up, he is definitely, um, you know, he was a worthwhile first-round pick. He's not a guy that is one for the future. He's someone that you could put in this year. Um, and yeah. so that, that I... adds to the depth there. And, and Mishu has been replaced by a, a guy with 12 caps for Canada. Um, that's not a bad situation. Yeah. So move and moving Franklin to the center, um, gives an, a, a player that Ben Olsen has confidence in at multiple positions to put there. And it moves Bobby Boswell, the team's captain to the bench. And that means you have three pretty good center backs, uh, waiting in reserve and competing for starting jobs and, and being hungry for minutes. Uh, not just two. So this is the deepest United has been at center back in a, a long time. A long time. I can't remember the last time they had three honest to God center backs who were capable and not starting. So this is, this is a good situation to be in. Moving him there really, it helps bolster that. I thought he was going to be coming off the bench as a center back or being a spot starter there, but it looks like he's going to be the number one. Um, Jason talked about Nick DeLeon at right back. And Ian Harks providing some competition in the center of the park. Um, some new faces that that came in. Uh, he mentioned Ortiz. I want to talk about Latou and I want to talk about the wings for a minute because United has depth on the wings, but they're not that young there. You've got Niarco and Lloyd Sam as the starters. You've got the team's returning leading scorer, Lamar Nagel. Um uh, able to come in and you've got Sebastian Latou. I think every one of those guys is over 30 at this point. Ben, how do you feel about our, our wing situation coming into this year? Um, I feel fine about it. Uh, Niarco and Sam did well last year. They played a lot of games last year. Uh, and last year, the, the main depth on both sides was Lamar Nagel. So you have him coming back. He was also deputized as a forward a lot of the time, uh, reducing the depth there. And you also add in Sebastian Latou. So Latou's not going to be asked to play like 2,000 minutes this year. He's going to be a sub. He's going to be a spot starter. Uh, Maybe if people get injured or if people aren't playing well, but he can play across the midfield, uh, I actually kind of liked uh, what he did uh, in one of the preseason games where he played uh, in central midfield 
behind the striker, kind of basically harassing the other team's uh, playmaker or playmaker or deep line person. Deep line. Deep line person. Yeah. But yeah, just causing trouble in the attack and trying to trying to stop the other team from uh, restarting and, and, and beginning their uh, progression into the attack. And so, yeah, I'm not worried about it for this season. I mean, the team has to get younger there eventually, obviously, but this is a team that at this point, they're building to win now uh, while also building for the future. It's a weird alchemy that Ben Olsen has been able to do, but he's locked down a young core while having in positions of need players that can help him win right this moment. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think for this year, I, I do think Lamar Nagel and Sebastian Latou are different in kind uh, types of wingers from Sam and Niarco. And if for some reason, even in the open cup, we have to start both Nagel and Latou, uh, I'm going to be a little concerned about our chance creation from outside because this team does rely on kind of distributing that around and that helps free up space for Acosta in the middle to, to work his magic. So, but I, I, I have every confidence if one or the other of Sam and Niarco are unable to start in a particular week that, that Latou and or Nagel, or I guess Latou or Nagel could, could step in pretty capably. I mean, it would be nice if uh, Nyako went down and then uh, MLS allowed us to put two players on the field uh, as his replacement. That's something to think about. We should petition. Like, how high would you have to go? Could you petition MLS or would you have to go to CONCACAF or FIFA to, to get that two for one? Well, if we went to CONCACAF, you would need to pass we would just to IFAB. But I mean, they could they changed the uh, shootout rules without any real permission. So I think we could just petition uh don garber or maybe even like Directly. mark or maybe even like mark abbott or i don't know well garber garber's got some good feelings for dc he he said today that this one this groundbreaking was the most special to him because it's the one that the league wanted the most like it's weird to hear don garber say the league wanted dc the most because he did absolutely nothing to try and help dc yeah, I think he. I think the team probably told him to step back a little bit. I, I, honestly, I, I, I'm that's just, not I'm, based on any knowledge. That's I'm my just, speculation. I'm just because, parroting the, uh, the the narrative. Hashtag yeah. narrative. No, I I have I have my issues with Don Garber too, but um, on that particular one, I think I think he was told to to stay out of it because yeah. DC is for being the national capital. The politics here are incredibly local, and. Yes. You are from New York. You're not going to get a, a welcome reception <laughs> at the Wilson Building. It's, it's um, like it's like Ruth Hullet. No, everybody. It's like Ruth Hullet coming in to MLS. It, it's just a special kind of thing that you have to be here to uh, really understand. Yeah. So um, I'm going to poll you guys. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but um, I do have a few questions I want to poll the two of you on. Um, the first of which is the biggest question mark coming back coming into 2017 um what what are you most worried about coming to this year and since i didn't give you guys warning i'll go first mine is is the the defense the back line um how is sean franklin going to deal with the position switch because he he has played some center back but mostly an emergency capacity for a galaxy team that wasn't very good so how is he going to handle being uh a center back 
for you know the the presumptive starter for the whole year on a team that's expected to uh compete for silverware honestly so that that's my biggest question mark jason what's yours um i mean that one's a pretty uh glaring one you kind of stole it from me um but since you let me go my before ben i like to uh, you let me go before Ben. I'm going to take what is probably his uh, his call is just ahead of them. Um, I like paying it forward. That's a good ben, good philosophy. Ben, our our listeners do not know, but Ben is just shaking his head because he knew all along what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, defensive midfield uh, is going to be a question. We talked in the off season and we said that I think we all agreed we would like to see uh, an upgrade there, and United stood pat. Um, and it's not a knock on Marcelo or on Rob Vincent. Um, the issue with Marcelo, for me at least, isn't necessarily his ability to get the job done from a game-to-game basis. It's will he have anything left in his legs come November um, when the, the games really start to matter? Um, is he going to be able to be at his best? Because you're not going to win uh, MLS Cup without a defensive midfielder at or near their best. And and there, that level has to be pretty high. Um, we just saw two teams go to MLS Cup uh, where it was Osvaldo Alonso and Michael Bradley um, in those roles. That's the standard you're you're sort of shooting for. Um, we've seen Marcelo have that kind of game. Um, his debut in a United shirt last year, his competitive debut, involved um, a 17 recoveries in 90 minutes at Carretero, um, which is an inhuman number of recoveries. Yes. You do not see that number show up uh, on, on any sort of stat sheet. So he can do it. It's just a matter of, will he be able to deliver that uh, in the fall? Vincent, we know is a solid MLS role player and he, and you know, he's only got one MLS season and, and two pro seasons under his belt. So he's going to keep improving. Um, we, you know, it's kind of tempting to think of him as, as a guy it's 27, 28, but he's not there yet. Um, but is he when he fills in and and I would like to see him getting eight to ten starts just to keep uh, Marcelo from having to play. Uh, last year it was kind of a running joke. You know, Marcelo gets a break when he gets himself suspended, um, and I don't want that to be the case this time around. Um, so can Vincent fill in at at you know on very close to that level uh, when he does step in so that United isn't in those games isn't appreciably dropping off because. Eight to ten games, that's, you know, if you're losing points in those games, that's the difference between first and second place or having to play that knockout round game. And even if you do win that one, it's a midweek game uh, with another playoff game on the weekend and a game right before that, the way the uh, schedule has always been set up. So you want to avoid it. Uh, I know that there is the running suspicion that being high in the standings isn't actually very good in MLS but I feel like we it, that's sort of a confirmation bias thing. It's happened a few times, and thus we sort of blow it out of proportion, and it's almost like, you want to be sixth. Like, no, you don't want to be sixth. Um, you top two be, is where you want to be. Yeah, you want to be in the top two. You want to be contending for the supporter shield. And this team has the offense to do that. Um, and if the center backs hold up and if defensive midfield holds up, then maybe they're still in that conversation uh, You know, once uh, September comes around. Ben, what's your biggest question, Mark? So I'll go one spot in the center of the field even further up and uh, <laughs> go with uh, uh, the uh, number eight position. Uh, we all know that Jared Jeffrey is a solid starter, but I'm I'm still not convinced yet that he is a permanent starter for a 
supporter shield winning team, for example. And what I really want to see is whether he keeps that spot all year. Uh, is he replaced in June like Jeff Park was, uh, leading to Steve Birnbaum coming in? If he's replaced, so if Jeffrey is replaced by Ian Harks, uh, for example, and or if Jeffrey takes a step forward this year, that would also be great because he's still also a young player. Uh, he came here in 2013, and this was really his first real professional experience. He had some semi uh, professional stints in Germany, but I think he was only a youth player in Germany. Uh, youth and I think the FC Mines reserves. Yeah. So, yeah, this is his fifth he, season. Uh, yeah, he came in 2013, yeah. that year that so, we don't like to think about. Well, uh, they, he, they just played the Open Cup that year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it was weird. They, no, they also played 34 games. We have to live with it. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm just in, I'm really interested to just watch that central midfield battle between Harks and Jeffrey and see how it turns out. See if Jeffrey can uh, keep Harks off the field or if Harks can battle his way through. Next question uh, stems from... Today's groundbreaking, actually. Um, the team has indicated, Ben Olsen has indicated, um, and and Jason Levian has indicated that this team is going to be able to open up the wallet with the new stadium coming, and that means more acquisitions, um, including possibly this summer, uh, a mid-year acquisition during the European offseason. Assuming they do bring somebody in this this July, what position do you think is the most likely candidate for 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 that kind of acquisition? Be it we'll, we'll say Tam level or above. Um, this team is not going to be as reliant on on Tam, but it's still a very useful tool. So so I'll I'll, I'll leave the door open for using uh, targeted allocation money to sign a player, but Tam or DP. If there's a signing this summer, Jason, where do you think it'll be? Uh, I guess I'm going to go stick in the same spot. Um, I think there's a real argument to be made for um, spending that kind of money at the number six. Um, that's the player that can control the whole game. I mean, you can tell that that's also, uh, if I were playing on your team, that's where you would put me. Um, but <laughs> I mean, there is a reason for that role being so important, and we st- like I said, you know, the teams that went far last year all had someone who's really, really good at that spot. I mean, Marco Donadell maybe, um, maybe not quite in the league of those other guys, but it's still, you know, he was playing at pretty much the best he's played in MLS. Um, the position really matters. It's really a position that can change the game for you and make things so much easier at both ends of the field. Um, and the fact that it's also a spot where United doesn't have an obvious, um, you know, you look through your lineup at, at options for designated player, you say, like, I don't, you know, we just resigned Mullins. Um, Acosta is a TAM player this year and will be a designated player next year. Um, those aren't guys you're going to push aside. Um, and those are the two most obvious positions for um, a designated player or a TAM level player. Um, with how well Sam and Nyako have played on the wings, I don't know that you would want to break that up. 
um, midseason. And if you're signing a guy like this, you're breaking something. You're, you're, that guy is going into the lineup. Um, so you need to know that you're make, you're not disrupting things while also bringing in a big name player. Um, I feel like the depth at number eight, and especially I'm hoping that by that time of the season, Ian Harks has, uh, taken the job over and is playing at, at the level that I think, I think we all expect him to get to pretty quickly. Um, so out of that, you don't have too many other spots. Um, you can go get a designated player center back. Uh, that's happened a few times in MLS. Jason, Jason, I asked you for one. Let, let no, Ben and I. I'm, I'm going, I'm <laughs> finishing up. And the answer is that I would rather see that money spent towards the sixth role than the other spots. Ben. After Jason took all of the spots, I will go with uh, center back is what I was going to say, even though Jason so cavalierly dismissed it uh, <laughs> after dismissing all of the other ones. But I'm going to I'm going to contradict him and I'm going to go with uh, center back. I think while Sean Franklin is a fine player, uh, I would rather see someone Tam or DP level replace him and play next to Steve Burnbaum, uh, especially since if this team fails this year i think it's going to be because of that defense so i would like to see somebody come in and really lock down that role next to burn bomb and return this team to the rock solid defense that they've had uh in their ultra defensive and ultra penny pinching days and have the best of both worlds once they have the cash to splash on that i could force the issue and make a case for the wings, especially if the team were to bring in say an Andy Nahar back and work him in over the course of the second half of the year. Um, rather than throwing him in as soon as he, he gets here, give him a little bit of break or all that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to agree with, with Ben that I'm most worried about the center back position. And so that's where I think a, a signing might be most likely, um, especially with that conversion project. I think that shows that, that Ben Olsen doesn't necessarily have the confidence in Kofi Opari or Jalen Robinson to step in as the starter. And if neither of them does by midseason, I think Sean Franklin is, is a limited term solution for, for that position. And you want someone a little bit longer term. So I think center back might be the spot where I would look. Um, Final question, because we are running incredibly long on this segment. Uh, you're welcome, America. Where will DC United finish in the Eastern Conference in 2017? Ben Bromley, you're up. Second, behind TFC. Jason? I'm going to go with the exact same answer as Ben. Um, I think TFC is going to be kind of difficult to get past at the top. But I think United's going to be right on their heels the entire year. And I also think the other, the usual suspects, so to speak, are going to fall off a little bit, I, including the Red Bulls, which is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I hate making it unanimous on something like this, but I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to the listeners and say I'm going to, I think DC United is going to finish something other than second behind TFC. So that is, that, that is the official position of filibuster heading into this season is that DC United will, will get a, the all important buy in the playoffs, but will not, uh, claim the, the top of the conference during the regular season. 
So that's where we are. And we are going to take a quick break and be right back with Cody Bradley from thebluetestament.com to preview DC United's first game of 2017 against Sporting Kansas City. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But But if this were a hostile work environment or if i were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious in a i'm really not uh but in a workplace environment you know who to call right because you live in the district of columbia or northern virginia i, I do it's the ehrlich law office it is the ehrlich law office uh they they offer discrimination wage and litigation solutions in northern virginia and the district of columbia which means i can totally create a hostile work environment for jason except no he they they wouldn't want me to say that that would be bad i do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone but jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in maryland sorry jason i'll fight my way through this all right uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United kicks off their official 2017 campaigns this Saturday at RFK Stadium, 7 p.m. against Sporting Kansas City. TV in the the, the local area has yet to be announced. Um, we're not going to comment on that, but uh, hopefully uh, at some point between now and Saturday, if you're not able to be at RFK, you'll know where to tune your TV to be able to watch. Um but assuming that's the case, we are going to preview this game, and we have Cody Bradley from thebluetestament.com, our sister site focusing on all things Spork. Cody, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. I, I welcome the Spork nickname. I, I, I embrace it. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I like that. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a, just a good old glass of red, Cab Sauv. Nice. Nice. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Classing it up. I drink, so I drink let's, a lot of wine, actually. Wine is good, man. Don't I? I I I spread it around. I like all my all the different types of alcoholic beer. I like wine. I like spirits, don't all in moderation, of course. But yeah. <laughs> does this mean that? Moderation. Does this mean that? <laughs> does this mean that three fourths of us had uh, alcoholic beverages out of corked bottles today? I. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds that way. Yeah. And Adam yeah. still had a pretty a pretty respectable beer. It wasn't like he showed up with uh, Miller High Life or uh, worse. Or a, or a Limerita. We are. <laughs> yeah, I think only one of us drinks Limeritas, Ben. And I'm... Ben Bromley. Ben Bromley, that's you. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about the Sporks. Uh, since Peter Vermees took over and, and converted them to a, kind of a high pressure four three three setup. They've been among MLS's most physical teams. 
Um, over the last few years, they got a little bit older. This year seems like they're they're starting to to bring in some some new pieces um, all over the field, kind of in in the biggest way that they have since Vermees took over. Um, what's your impression of the team and how they'll be able to implement Vermees' style this year? Yeah, that's a you, you described it well. He he did add pieces in you know in most of the spots of the field. I guess the defense is the one you can say he didn't, but but then Graham Zusi is now a defender, so in a way he did. Um, but yeah, I think the after three years of kind of crashing out of the playoffs early, fans here kind of demand a lot of this club. They promise a lot, so fans are kind of snobby sometimes when it comes. <laughs> When it comes to that, even though the Marlins I'm literally so drinking good. arrogant bastard ale because I am so <laughs> confident about DC United. So I, I completely understand your fan base. <laughs> cool. cool. Uh, but yeah, so they, a lot of people were kind of wanting wholesale changes. They, they, the team hinted at, you know, a, a roster shakeup of, of the core of players. And I think that they, you know, what they, they pleased most of the fans, I think the number one thing was a, was a winger. Christian Namath still hadn't been replaced um, after Brad Davis and Justin Mapp came in and did not much of anything. Um, so yeah, they went out. And, you know, they went out and got Gerso Fernandez and Latif Blessing, two young, speedy guys. Uh, well, I got Blessing's a young one. He's still a teenager, and Gersho is labeled as a DP. Uh, he's crap. What is he? Twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-five, I think. Um, but yeah, they bring a lot of pace there on the wings. Um, another another key one that Vermees will talk about is is Ilya Sanchez uh, in the defensive mid, who might have taken over for one of my favorites of Sony Mustavar, um, a guy who Vermees would have said a couple years ago was or a year ago was like the most important guy on the team. Uh, he might be he might have been benched for a former Barcelona B guy, but yeah, there's they. You know, they did get rid of some core guys, I guess you can say, like Chance Myers. That, that's kind of a hard one to see go. Uh, and there's, there's enough new faces and, and young blood in, in the right spots. So I think even some of Vermees's harshest critics were, were pretty appeased by the offseason. So what are your, your general impressions of the team's performance over the, the preseason? How did they do, and, and how do you think it will relate to the the real campaign in 2017. It's kind of hard to tell. They I mean, they didn't score goals, which is the continued trend of last year. But, you know, Dom Dwyer was coming back from injury. He didn't even start a lot of the time. Uh, I think he only started one of them. Um, it you know, it it was there. The the quality was there from the new guys. Uh Ilya Sanchez and you know everyone I just mentioned they all showed a lot of promise. Um, you know I don't think I don't think I'm not I'm not going to be too critical and look into a lack of a whole bunch of goals here in preseason as a as an issue because there is a lot to a, a lot to like about the team so I, th- I think they're I think they're going to be set up pretty good. Ben. So one of the, the, the I mean probably the key piece for. 
uh, sporting Kansas City the key player, uh, even a little more so than uh, Dom Dwyer, has been Betty Failhopper over these past couple of years. Uh, sure. He's been there since 2013. He apparently had some European interest this offseason before re-signing. Uh, now he's gotten some time with the U.S. men's national team, finally again, and uh, showed better than his counterpart from uh, New Jersey. So how important was that re-signing and how big of a, a key is Failhopper going to be for the sports this year? And can he improve off of uh, what uh, can he improve the offense that was sputtering a little bit down the stretch uh, at the end of last season? Yeah. I mean, Benny, Benny is everything. I'm, I'm as big of a Benny guy as anyone. He, uh, he is the, he's the engine. He's the most important guy on the team for sure. Uh, re-signing, uh, you know, there was at the beginning of last season and even deep into it, into the middle, he was playing pretty poorly. <laughs> he was uh, making some um, incredible mistakes that were, you know, something we've never really seen from him. And it didn't, it, the magic that he had the year before wasn't really there. But uh, to, to answer your question, can he, you know, revitalize an attack that was sputtering? He kind of, you know, it, it seemed like he was getting there at the end of last season. And truly, I think there was, you know, three or four games there at the end, if not just the one game against Seattle where we ended up losing that got Benny that other contract. Uh, he, he played incredible that final game, and, uh, and it was just kind of, you know, pay that man his money memes were, were rolling all over the Internet that day. And it was just kind of one of those, like, it was like, oh, yeah, Benny, Benny is our guy. Like, we, we definitely need to sign him again. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm very pleased about that. He looked great for the, for the men's national team. So it, uh, I'm eager to see him back in, in sporting blue again. And then my other question is uh, about a player that is probably going to be much less key for the Sporks this year. Uh, our favorite home brewer, Andrew Dykstra, came over uh, to Sporting Kansas City uh, from D.C. United this offseason and had one pretty bad performance uh, <laughs> in the preseason so far. Uh, do you see him as anything more than a backup to Tim Melia? Does he have a chance to win a starting role, or is he going to be mostly uh, a, a, what he has been, a career backup who might make some spot starts uh, down the stretch? Yeah, I think he's I think he's just that. Um, and it probably kind of sucks for him, but I don't think they – I, w- I would be surprised if they see him even making that many starts. Um, we have another guy that, that played fantastic last year for, for the Swell Park Rangers, uh, Adrian Zendejas, who he will pr- – I'm, you know, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to just to – because he may be the guy for the future for them. I'm assuming he's going to go to the, the Rangers again to get time down there. Mm-hmm. And then that's why they brought in Dykstra to be the – backup because you have to have one <laughs> and I, I you know when an opportunity arises to get a backup some minutes in, in, a, in a game then I wouldn't be surprised to see them call up Zendayas or you know but yeah Dexter's Dexter's probably the the backup and maybe see a couple starts but that was a that was a not a good look for him there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, New York 
Uh, Cody, I guess um, you you already mentioned three of the guys that I wanted to talk about. Um, I guess I'll start with um, Ilya Sanchez, who uh, was brought in. It's funny because uh, that signing, I think if if it happened at a different time, people would have talked about it a little more. But when it happened, it was just like, yeah, Kansas City signed this guy. And then no one, like league-wide, it seemed like it was just sort of a non-entity, even though it's a new potentially a new starting defensive midfielder on a team that seemed pretty solid there to begin with. Um, what do you think is gained there? What do you think that Peter Vermes is looking to improve upon when he was already looking at a pretty solid situation with Mustavar? Well, um, I think he, Ver, Vermees always uh, talks about the idea that they're always looking to bring players in. They have, they have their eye on players and it's just about when the opportunity arises. And I think, you know, they may have, would have loved to have bring him in at, a, at another time, but it's just, it came up now, they got him at the right price, and so, it, you know, it was time to do it. Um, but for, I, he, he had been not, he hadn't been with the team, I think is, is perhaps a reason why it might not have been, you know, people may not have seen it as like that splashing of a, of a signing. He'd actually been training with Jordi Cantilla, uh, a player who we had let go, who was another Barcelona B guy. And they had both been without a team for, for several months, uh, I, I think was the case. And so I don't know that, I don't know that maybe the rest of the league or, or anyone knew that Vermees was as high on, on Ilya as he was. But, but yeah, he is, he has really looked fantastic. Um, it's, like I said, I was a big Sony Mustavar guy, and it's interesting to see them kind of duking it out. I I, I think Vermees is probably leaning um, Sanchez, but you know, I guess we'll I guess we'll see here this weekend. And for the solid, you know, the question of of why bring him in if it was a solid, you know, situation there. Sony was phenomenal for a long time, um, but maybe kind of put some doubt into Vermees' head at some point that he was going to be maybe the guy for the long run in the future. Um, maybe stop progress. I don't know if he regressed, but maybe stop progressing as much as he wanted or something like that. But, but yeah, again, I think it's just a, one of those, they had been wanting Ilya for a while, and then it just popped up that they could get him at the right price, and it was time to do it. And Yeah, I'd, Sony started this, the, the second two preseason games, but... Um, you know, so did like so did Sunni Saad over Dom Dwyer. So um, I still think I still think Vermees is going to go with with Sanchez, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do. We like our we like our Barcelona B players here in KC. Yeah, that's that's definitely a a real a real link there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess with the other um, the attacking players you mentioned, uh, Gerso Fernandez and Latif Blessing. Um, I know reading about the, you know, keeping track of the, the, I don't want to say saga for the blessing transfer, but it did seem there were various rumor points throughout that, um, that he was going to go somewhere else and then Kansas City jumped in at the last minute, that sort of thing. Um, I was under the impression that his prior, um, at his prior club, he was more of a, an out and out striker. Um, and that the idea is that he'll shift to the wing with Kansas City. Is that accurate, or is that still kind of a to-be-determined sort of thing? Um, I think 
I think I did hear that he had been playing a lot of striker, and I mean, he did lead. You know, he had the golden boot in the, in the mm-hmm. Ghanaian Premier League, so I'm pretty sure he probably was playing in the in the middle of the field there. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll definitely move to the move to the outside. You know, at this point, no one's gonna be taking over for Dom there in the middle, and and especially little. You know, I don't know if you guys have seen Latif on the field. He is. He is looks like a junior high kid out there. Like he is so <laughs> tiny. He's very, yeah. very, very tiny. <laughs> and I don't, uh, you know, he he's not going to be able to put in the the hold up play for uh, a center forward in that system and stuff like that. But yeah, it's he's going to add. Uh, he can take a beating is mm-hmm. what we've seen so far in the preseason, and he and he can get right back up. And he knows how to he knows how to absorb, you know, contact and, and get fouls and. Uh, that low center of gravity is he's he's quick he can turn and and then he's got an incredible top speed so it'll it's he's gonna add a lot there on the wing and and hopefully take some some pressure off of Dom and mm. bring some defenders out wide a little bit yeah because last year I think Dwyer had almost like it, it seemed like he had pretty much fifty percent of Kansas City's goals by himself. Um, and for a long stretch of the back half of the year, it was, it was maybe like if Dwyer did not score, Kansas City didn't score that day. Um, so it was definitely the kind of thing that they needed. You mentioned, um, we've, we've mentioned Gerso a couple of times, but now you mentioned somebody else that kind of piqued my interest. Um, Sunni Saad was with Kansas City for a few years, went and played in Thailand, um, and is now back. Um, which is interesting because I thought when he moved to Thailand, I thought, a player of his caliber should be playing at a higher level than that if he's leaving MLS. Um, wh- wh- did he? Reg- is there the impression that he regressed but found a friendly landing place, or is he still the same player he was when he left? Well, uh, you know, Vermees is a very strict guy. He he wants he asks a lot for his players, like on the field, off the field, and you know, in their mentality, and. Uh, I I think Suni just didn't have that. Um, he's like a really good guy, like he really is. But uh, you know, he was just young, and I think you know maybe trying to have a little too much fun. And also, I pro- I don't even this probably isn't good journalism of me, but I'm not a journalist, so I'll I'll, I'll say it. There was a rumor that he that Suni may have uh, had relations with Vermees's daughter. Oh. I see. That was that was Whoa. a rumor, but um, Suni has said something since coming back that kind of makes me feel like this was all kind of part of the plan. He 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 says that it was always in his plan to come back here, and that in Thailand he was the guy. Like he, you know, he was um, he was the sharpshooting foreigner that was brought in to you know score goals and and do something every single game for them. And I think that was that you know upon hearing that I was you know that kind of made things clear that maybe that was Vermees' plan of, of trying to teach him, you know, to step up and, and how to be a professional. And, and, you know, if he thought he was always coming back here, then, you know, maybe it was what they were thinking the whole time. And we'll see if he's grown up at all. If I'm being honest, he had a – he didn't have the best preseason. Um, got a red card in one game. It was really, like, I don't know what – I don't know what he was doing. It was an embarrassing tackle and – he uh first you know couple poor first touches you know he has a he still has one of the strongest boots i've ever seen and one of the most lethal shots but 
he was struggling to you know find space and all that. So we'll see. We'll see on him. Uh, he's probably going to be Dom's backup until Diego Rubio is back from his uh, injury. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. You know, speaking of uh, Dwyer's backup, I was going to ask. Um, it's not just Saad that's available as a as a backup for him. Christian Valeski, who has played pretty well at the USL level. Um, you guys grabbed him pretty early in the off season, if memory serves, and then he's got released today, a couple hours oh, ago. Oh, really? I we were at the stadium groundbreaking. I didn't even see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll move on. I it's a it was a two parter parter, so that's handy. Well, no, um, I did I did forget about uh, Daniel Shallowy too. He's he's gonna be another one. He'll get time on the wing, but, but right because he's, he's a Hungarian who, who likes to that's, play in the middle. So he's a he's a weird one because he he was signed to a homegrown deal. Um. Trader Pete. Uh, under under some extraordinarily inventive circumstances, I guess we'll say Kansas City is definitely. I think it's hard to dispute that they aren't the most inventive team when it comes to the MLS rulebook. Um, and yeah, succeeding hey, small market team, we make it. If LA can yeah. do it, like if they'll change the rules for LA, Trader Pete's <laughs> gonna like bend. Yeah, the um, you've got to find a way to make it work. Um, I guess the other player that that unless he got released as well today um, <laughs> is uh, Cameron Porter, um, who played a lot through the middle in Montreal, but with Kansas City has been more of a wide guy. Um, is he in the running to maybe spell Dwyer from time to time, or is he going to stay out on the wing? Yeah, see, I don't – it is it is kind of um, kind of a, a gray area so far, at least in the preseason. I would like to see him him uh, get a look there in the middle because he, he's shown a lot, of, a lot of promise. But he's also looked – in his short time, he's also looked, you know, pretty uh, – cheeky and crafty over on on the wing too so i i am interested to see him get in the lineup he, he's definitely there in the depth chart somewhere it's hard to tell where right now um another one is uh cameron Iowasa. i don't mm-hmm. know if i'm saying that exactly right that last name but yeah he's another one up there too that um is, is a he's, forward that's he's had a lot of success team. in the usl um yeah, yeah. with uh sacramento he he was uh i think he was drafted uh by montreal i want to say but ended up in sacramento and has really done well for himself and um obviously he's pushed at least one person out of, out of a, a roster yeah, spot that's, more or less that's what i was gonna say i mean all the all these guys you know shallowy and and um you know ayahuasca and all them they've at least shown that they made the team i mean uh, someone didn't up there so someone you know they've at least shown him that Someone's going to get sent to the Rangers, you know. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of crowded up there, but we'll see. I think it's probably between um, – that's probably between Porter and Iowasa. It'll probably be Iowasa. Cody, one name you mentioned early on in this segment is Graham Zussi, um, who pretty famously moved to right back as kind of an experiment with the U.S. national team uh, last month. And it, it sounds like he's – he he has played that position some with with sporting in the past, but it sounds like that's going to be his position going forward with the Sporks as well. Um, what do you make of that switch? DC United is also converting a midfielder to right fullback, um, so I'm I'm curious how how the the Midwest version of that experiment is going to be going this year. Yeah, Graham Zusi, who is going to be playing defender and some forward and is listed <laughs> as a midfielder on the roster so naturally i mean they just average the two positions yeah uh he yeah it's i don't know i don't know if you guys saw his uh, screamer that he had in preseason from from that right back spot mm. 
but I, I do like it. I, I think I noticed that they seem to be trying to play out of the back. Uh, like they made a concerted effort there, you know, with some technical ability of Zussi, um there on that right side. Like it looks like they they might like to try to, you know, move the ball up the pitch with with his veteran presence there and, and you know, ability that we haven't really had in that corner. And then you know, the other side of it, the reason I like it is because, you know, he's been our he's been our DP winger and I, he had like one goal or two goals and, you know, have three assists or something like that last year. It's hasn't been DP worthy and barely, you know, probably not even just starter worthy up there at times. And I love the guy and he, he's good for, you know, a screamer or two a season, but he is not good in front of goal. Like he's simply not, his first touch will be, will be poor, but he's for the, he's for the national team. I don't, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> so uh, for us, it's like he, it's, he 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 gets nervous in front of goal. I, I don't know what it is, but him being back here and you know at, at right back, I think he's gonna find some extra space and he's gonna get more space for those for those long, you know, volleys and and you know balls that bounce out from a corner kick and things like that. So I think I think it could be really really good for him. And you know maybe if they are gonna be trying to play out of the back, that could that can add a whole other dimension to the offense like that. So last uh, last question for you tonight. Put yourself on the DC United bench for for this week. How are you game planning against Sporting Kansas City? What are you most worried about, and and what weakness are you looking to exploit? Um, I the one thing I would have to be worried about is, is the is the speed on the wings. I mean, it, especially because they don't know anything about the two about Blessing and and Fernandez. So. That's that's the one thing that they're they're gonna have to be uh, uh, looking to stop the counter. I know that's Sporting Kansas City likes to control games a lot, but they will always you know I I can see them just sending Latif Blessing you know flying down the field and then just kicking the ball up there at times. Like I can just see that happening frequently. So I I'm gonna be I would be very worried about about uh, the speed there on the wings, and uh, you know somewhere to. I'd be looking at. Uh, well, I guess we don't really know who is going to be starting there on the on the other uh, on the other outside back. But you know, Zusi, he may. Everything I was just talking about why I liked him is going to be on the offensive side. You know, there's definitely questions about his his defensive ability there. So there's that one, and then and then um, you know, there's a question of Seth Sinovic, who's a veteran and going to play smart, but you know, his his peak is not that you know very high so i you know there's the defense still has questions for me um i i would stay away from matt beesler and Icopara in the center of the field and and be looking at maybe some taking advantage of a hole on the, on the outside backs all right thanks for coming back on the show man why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online yeah uh the blue com, and on uh twitter i'm at that cody though all right. Find us at blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter 
at Black and Red U for the website, at Filibuster DCU for the podcast. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Music, the podcatcher of your choice. Give us a rating and review if you're so inclined. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. And make sure you come to our watch party, not for this game this weekend, but next weekend, Doc FC and Ivy City. Uh, DC United against NYCFC. Come out, eat some tacos, drink some Guinness and Heineken uh, at discounted prices. It's going to be fun. Um, and we'll, we'll see you at RFK come, come Saturday against the Sporks. Uh, for Jason and Ben and thanking Cody one last time, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Hello, New Stadium. Woo!